French rugby dominated European rugby proceedings at the weekend with wins for Toulon and a second consecutive win for La Rochelle against Leinster in one of the all-time great Heineken Cup finals. It's time for us to look ahead to the Gallagher Premiership final this weekend between Saracens and Sale. And joining me and the full house of columnists to do so is one of Sarri's standout players of the year, Alex Lazowski. La Rochelle are back-to-back champions after what was, well, a thrilling spectacle, to say the least, at the um, Aviva and the biggest comeback in a Heineken Cup final ever. Uh, we'll look back at that game at the end of this episode. But first of all, let's look ahead to the big one this weekend, the all-important Gallagher Premiership final between Saracens and Sale at Twickenham on Saturday. We've got the full house of columnists and joining us today is one of Saracens' standout players of the season in Alex Lozowski. How are you doing, Alex? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. So... Is game week. Talk us through the sort of plan for the week, if you can. Yeah, so um, Monday, normally quite, uh, well, more of a relaxed day than a Tuesday. Um, so get in the forwards, we'll go through their lineouts, um, walk through those setups, uh, do a few scrum setups, backs, uh, get in the gym, do some weights. Um, and then the afternoon, come together, uh, go through our maps and a few kickoffs and things like this sort of formations to um make sure we're we know all our all our detail and then tomorrow tomorrow afternoon uh Tuesday afternoon we'll have um sort of our big big training session where we try and put it all together under a bit of fatigue under a bit of pressure uh Wednesday off uh and then Thursday uh team run um just to sort of uh sharpen things up a little bit and then yeah Friday off uh, get our energy uh, before Saturday. Do, do you do any? Uh, do you do Alex at this very late stage of the season anything that could be construed as a full contact session, or is it really tapering off now? Yeah, no, not not no full contact, no um sort of fifteen versus fifteen full contact. Um, do a lot of uh, sort of bag work, um, tackle bags, um practicing sort of tackle technique, um, obviously, which is important even more so these days, um, and sort of breakdown work. Um, but all that's with bags and, um, you know, shields and stuff like that. So um, thankfully, the days of uh, full contact in, in training are behind us now, uh, which is good. Now, tell me, Alex, in a lot of the um, discussion in previewing this final, Saris have been billed as favourites. Do you guys feel like favourites? Um, I don't think it's necessarily a feeling that we have. I think what we what we do know is that um, we've put together a pretty strong season. Um, you know, I think uh, along with Sale, um, you know, probably, the, you know, it is the two consistent teams in the league. You know, the, the only two teams that really have played consistently well all season. Um, so I suppose in that sense, it's good that this is the final. Um, two teams that deserve to be there. Um, yeah, no, I think we, we we just know that we've 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 put we've put together a good season that we've we've been building uh, towards this, and um, you know we we need we we want to um, play well on the weekend um, to sort of put all that hard work into practice, and you know finish off with uh, on a good note, really, which obviously we didn't do last season, having, again, you know, been with Leicester, you know, the two best teams. And on the day, we couldn't um, put our game together uh, to beat them. So now it's about, um, you know, we really want to, we want to, we want to do that this weekend and, um, you know, put our best foot forward. 
How much did you feel, Alex, that um, Richard Wiggle Wigglesworth had a um, quite a big hand in uh, in what went on in last year's uh, cup final? And Alex Sanderson obviously knows um, Saracens pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, how how much of a factor are, are those things? Do you think when it comes when it comes to a cup final? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, firstly, I think, like you said, um, Wiggy uh, delivered a bit of a masterclass in how to play against Saris. I think um, last season, um, which uh, you know was something that we weren't something that we were probably expecting, but weren't nece didn't necessarily have the tools to deal with it. Um, we weren't open to deal with it, if that makes sense, in last season's final, um, which is why we came unstuck. Uh, and, you know, you have to give give credit to um, Wiggy and the coaches at Leicester last season for put, for, for coming up with a plan uh, which was which enabled them to beat us um, when, you know, I suppose we were favourites as well for that. But um, I suppose that's why I answered your question before. Like, you know, it doesn't in finals, maybe it doesn't really matter who the favourites are because, um, you know, if um, if if the favourites always won, uh, then sport wouldn't be very interesting and no one would come and watch and uh, it would just be, all be pretty boring. So, um, you know, in that sense as well, I suppose, like you mentioned about about Al, obviously knows us really well. I'd say we'll have taken a bit of, um, we'll have had, had a good final last year and how, and how Leicester did it. And, um, you know, not that we're expecting anything. We 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 hope that we're ready for um we're ready for however the game pans out. But if it does turn out to be a bit like last season's final, then I think um you know we're in a better place to uh, to deal with that this time. Yeah, where do you where do you think that you're you know that the Saracens game has actually uh, um you know picked up since uh, since last year? Where do you think you're uh, you you know you put put some some real edge on the game? Yeah, I think a lot of a lot's been spoken about our attack, um, you know, uh, and how we're open to opportunities uh, from our own half. So last season, the final, uh, the um, Wiggy uh, kicked the G off the Gilbert, and um, we uh, we were in our own half a lot, and we had we sort of had defensive rocks in our own half, which we was kicking back to them. Whereas now, I think you've seen this season that we're um, we're racing back. Uh, to field these kicks and and you know if if, if the space is on to um, to attack from from those positions then we're going to take that and um, you know we've we've been working hard on our skills and our decision making to um, to make the most of those opportunities as opposed to just kicking the ball back uh, which is what we did last season in the final and which you know, ultimately um, it, you know, it cost us because uh, you know we spoke uh, you know Faz has obviously been a lot. Uh, been behind this and driving it a lot and he, he said to us that it's a lot easier to go from having an open mindset where you're open to opportunities and then bringing it back in and drawing it back in to then go to that kicking game it's easier to go from there to a kicking game than it is to go from a kicking game to like trying to see opportunities um, so yeah, well, mm -hmm. I, yeah everyone's seen it this season we um, we uh, we've been We've been better in that sense, and the attack's been good. And I suppose, from a defensive point of view, I think uh, the way we the way we defended against Northampton, we sort of rolled back the years a little bit with our defence. Um, I think we made two hundred and fifty tackles, and you know, obviously, um, uh, Northampton's attack has been uh, sort of lauded 
this season and in previous seasons, and uh, we we dealt with them pretty well. So um, it's going to take a bit of both this weekend uh, to get the job done. You mentioned that the um, the attack has changed, and I think Sarri's over the past few years have obviously come under a bit of criticism sometimes for playing a certain way, i.e., platform up front, like you say, kick the G off the Gilbert, as um, you know you mentioned with Wigglesworth last year. Now. That seems very, very different this year, and that's been widely covered. Um, but particularly in in terms of the backline, it feels like the Saracens' backline is about as potent as I've ever seen it. Now, one thing that sort of intrigues me about that is the structure of the backline is arguably slightly different to a typical backline structure. I.e., you know, as dynamic as you and Nick Tompkins are in the carry, for example, you're not. You know the Manu Tulangi and Andre Esterhazen type role that works so well in other backlines in the Premiership. So, what do you think the keys have been to unlock unlocking that potency that we've seen? Um, yeah, it's definitely connections, um, time on the field together, time in uh, on the video together, looking at things, looking at how our lines um, and our connections and how close we are to each other um, when we're coming round. Those types of things, um, and where basically where you're putting yourself um, once you've identified an opportunity and seen space, um, these are the types of things that um, we've been working on. Well, yeah, so for, for basically 11, 12 months now. So um, you know, it's, good, it's 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 been nice to see that it's worked a lot of the time. Obviously, against La Rochelle, we came unstuck and we didn't quite, we weren't able to to execute on that day, which is obviously. A, a huge disappointment for us, um, not being able to do it on in a, in a course final. But by and large, it has been it has been really good. And I think, um, you know, obviously the, the the team has changed not just in the in 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 the backs, but obviously our our forwards as well. And you know, we're maybe more of a team now that um, is more suited to moving the ball, um, uh, moving the point of contact a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, when we had the likes of um, Will Skelton and um, you know, Vince Bock and, you know, Scott, uh, Scott Berger, um, Mikey Rhodes, these types of guys who are incredibly abrasive and physical and can just carry through brick walls, um, mm. played a slightly different way. But I think with the players that we've got now, we've adapted. And um, as I said, this season, uh, by and large, it's been pretty good and we've adapted pretty well. Um but uh, it won't count for much if um, we don't do it on the weekend now. And uh, we know that we, we want to do that. I wonder if perhaps the biggest change in personnel from the what you'd term the golden era of Saracens um, is possibly Brad Barrett, who was an incredibly underrated player. But he was the, the fulcrum for about a decade, wasn't he, midfield? Un- very underrated player, but a very particular player, wasn't he, Brad? He could do the heavy, you know, the, the the hard stuff in midfield. He was also more skillful than given um, credit. But if you've got him there for a decade, that's how Saracens played. When he retired, there was a chance there for yourself and Nick Tompkins in particular to really express yourself in midfield. And I wonder if that might be part of the reason that the change is it's really coming a rush now this season, but it's been coming probably since Brad uh, retired and stepped down a few years ago. Yeah, I think... Um... Well, the first thing I'd say is I think if um, Brad was still available now, um, we'd have him in the team somewhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know that, that's 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 for sure. Um, definitely one of the best players I've ever played with. Um, best captains, um, just an inspirational kind of guy who um, 
led by example and um you know you wanted to you wanted to back him up um but yeah i you know of course um everyone has different skill sets you know um and then and you know nick's sort of come into that uh position and made it his own um since since brad has retired and um you know nick's not nick's no um you know he's he, he can carry as well he can carry the ball as well and he's a big physical guy and he can pinball out of tackles and get his hands free and you know there are some similarities there um but then equally there's there's things that nick likes to do that um maybe brad um didn't do so um and that's not to say that one way is better than the other or you know they both they, they it, both both work so um but yeah we're just we're just playing to our strengths now which is um what we have to do it's it must be almost an, a natural thing given the makeup of the backline alex i mean i think i mean there's yourself there's alex good um there's uh max maidens i think has spent some time at 10 as well um and then obviously you've got owen so if you've got four people who, if not raised exclusively as outside halves, have spent some time at outside half. That must help in terms of identifying space and opportunity because that's first and foremost, I guess, what a ten is is there to do. And if there's a whole bunch of you capable of making those decisions on the ball, that must be that it must be a natural the style you're playing at the moment must be a natural consequence of your personnel. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, like you say, I grew up as a youngster playing a bit of ten. Um, before before moving out, like say Max as well, Goody, um, and you know someone like Elliot Daly as well, who you know despite not having played um, ten, uh, his ability to um, look up and take pictures of the defence and see where we need to be going is you know world class to be to be honest with you. So. Um, yeah, to have, and I think yeah, as, like you say, having played ten, I I know what it's like. As a ten, you often, you know, a lot of the time you're looking at the, looking at the ruck and where the ball's coming from, and you are relying on your teammates on your outside to tell you what to do, tell you where the space is, whether that's a kick in behind or play with the forwards or to you know move it out to the, to the back line. Those are, those are the types of things that when you play ten, you appreciate from your teammates. So then. I think, like you say, those guys all having that understanding of what helps Faz um, allows everyone to be like on on red alert to um, to be looking for looking for that space. And it also brings someone like Ben Earl with his skill set right to the fore, doesn't it? Because apart from all the stuff he does on the floor, which has been which has been brilliant for some years and particularly brilliant this season, it, there's a bit of the old fashioned support line open side flanker about him as well. You know, covering long distances to get on on the shoulders of, of the outside backs. So the way you're playing now really, really gives him gives his full skill set a pretty big platform. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, um Ben's got pace, right? Which is for any defender, um is, for, is that's what frightens you the most as, as a defender is an attacker who's got pace. Um, yeah, obviously, I've like, seen the game on the weekend and uh, in the Champions Cup, and and how Larachelle, um ends up overpowering Leinster with their physicality and their, you know, direct ball carrying, um, which is which is one big way of winning big games, um, and it's maybe what we used to be a bit like with the players that we had, but but you know, the likes of Ben Hart with having Ben now um, who. Again, has had an unbelievable season. Um, 
in that in that seven position um and just playing to his strengths and understanding what he likes and where he wants to be getting the ball and um the space that he likes to find himself in and as i said when you've got someone who's that explosive um you know powerful but also just like bloody quick um you want to you want to be using that as much as possible and um it's definitely part of our part of our plan is to to get him on the ball in space cuz to use his to use his speed Alex, what do you make of the, I think it was Stuart Barnes that wrote about the sort of remodeled sale. And obviously the sale resurgence, I think you'll agree, is, you know, it's very good for the premiership ultimately. Um, Stuart Barnes has sort of cited the way they play now and the power and bulk they provide up front, their kicking game. You know, there's been lots of emphasis on George Ford's spiral bombs and how difficult that was. Even we saw it with Freddie Stewart, the best you know, high, uh, best under the high ball in the world, probably, um, and the struggles he had with it. What do you make of this sort of Sar- old Saracens 2.0 um, comparison between Sale and the way that Saracens used to play, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, I, I can see it uh, to a certain extent. Um, I think it's... Uh, I think, like, the teams that are sort of on the come-up, which I think, you know, they, they, they feel like they're on the come-up, which is true, you know, I think... Um, you know they've been for the last sort of ten seasons. Um, you know, mid-table uh, type team. Um, I think they might have made the playoffs once in the last ten years before this season. So you know they've they've been in and around that middle part of the table. And I think one way, one quick way of um, making yourself competitive is uh, is perhaps going to that sort of old style Saris style of play, where um, you know you kick and chase. And um, you defend, and you become difficult to beat in that sense. So I can see that. I think they've got more to their game than just that. To be honest with you, I think obviously they've recruited really well with um, you know being able to get Fordy up there. Obviously, everyone knows how good he is, um, and with uh, Manu there as well on his outside, they obviously know each other very well. Got a good relationship, um, and so having having Fordy in the team. Um, coming in this season, uh, it gives them an extra dimension um, in terms of ball movement um, and, and and sophisticated attack, um, which maybe doesn't necessarily fit in with that um, just kick and chase and defence game. So um, I think they do deserve a, you know, a bit more credit than just um, being a, you know, a team built on being hard to beat in a defence and a kick and chase. Um, but I can, I can kind of see where Stuart Barnes is coming from there because um, you know that that style of rugby is uh, a good way of becoming difficult to beat and and uh, sort of getting results and becoming and going from being a you know a sort of um, average enough mid-table team to like a playoff team. Yeah. I, I guess Alex, get, getting getting the emotional um, uh, the the emotional temperature right when it comes to big occasions like this is is pretty critical. Um, you're you're losing Jackson Ray after this after this game, and I suppose and sadly losing John O'Ross. I think I'm saying who's been a pretty influential figure out there in his own particular rugged kind of kind of way. Um, do, does we we saw with Parise in the Challenge Cup final? There's there was a lot of stuff around Parise before that game, and there was a clip in the changing room before the match. And he was doing all the talking. Now you might expect that from a bloke who's captained an international side as much as he he has. But 
he, he wasn't the captain, but he was doing a hell of a lot. Do, does do, do those big departures or departures of people who were integral to the success of a club? Does that play a role in in the emotional makeup of of of, of a final, or are you, or is that just a, an irrelevance? Really, you know, you, you know, we got better things to think about than the fact that you're quitting Jackson. Um, much as we know, I mean, which way round does it work? I think when you're actually playing the game in the 80 minutes, um, you know, it, it's not necessarily something you think about too often. But I think uh, in the build-up, it definitely is. You know, in the, we've had two weeks to build up to this game now. And, um, you know, we're going to be losing the likes of Jackson, um, Duncan Taylor. Um, you know, these are guys who have made a massive difference at our club. Um, and... So to be able to spend these two weeks with with you know guys like that, you know Max as well. Max is Max is moving on. You know, been a brilliant player for us. You know, these are guys who we've enjoyed spending time with, and we've done a lot together. Um, we've all done a lot together and made a lot of memories together. Um, so I think in in the build up to it, you do you do tap into that sort of um, yeah, you know, like I say that emotional emotional thing where um, you hope that everything you're doing in those two weeks is going to allow you to then put put out a good performance on the weekend on Saturday. Um, so I, I, I think it is important and it's definitely something that, um, you know, we've paid attention to and we've paid homage to them and, you know, um, I'm sure it'll be the same up in sale. Um, obviously, you've played against John O for years now. Um, you, you know, been a real barrel of laughs that. Yeah, no, we've had a few, uh, we've had a bit of back and forth over the years and, you know, but, Ultimately, there's respect there, and um, you know he's been a top player for Sale. Um, I think over 150 games and whatnot, and um, it's important to to tap into those things because they deserve, these players deserve it. They, they deserve to be celebrated. You know, Russ Jackson and Duncan. Um, we're going to miss them a lot, and um, we we just want to we we wanted to enjoy last week. We want to enjoy this week um, being together, and um, you know. It might give you that little bit, that little edge somewhere. You might get off the floor that little bit quicker, or you know, hit that little bit harder because um, you know that uh, you did it for your mate who um, it's the last game. When you look at someone like Jackson, Alex, yeah, he's, he's a one club player. Um, more often than not, he's been the only uncapped player in a in a Saracen starting lineup. Far more often than not. How do you square the fact that he's retired without an international uh, cap or he's retiring without an international cap? How do you square that fact with his contribution to an incredibly successful side? Because he's played all three back row positions. I mean, there have been times when you've been skinned of players because yeah. of international call-ups. And, you know, you've depended massively on him. Massively. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. It just seems a bit unlucky. Uh, I mean, he must be, he must feel unlucky. And like, I think, um, you know, what he's, what he's put into Saracens, the success he's had, the number of games he's played, the way he's played in the big games, the way he's played in the, in the international windows and the tough games. Um, you know, he, he deserves, he deserves the cap. Um, but I think, I think he, he probably knows that. Um, and even though he would rather have a cap, um, he knows how much he's appreciated at Saracens. That that, that that's um, you know, 
there's no questioning that whatsoever. And um, you know, he he will go down as one of the best ever Saracens. So um, if that's any consolation for Jackson, then um, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully he can take it as that because um, yeah, he's potentially just been unlucky to be in an era of brilliant back rowers in England, which there have been some brilliant ones. Um, and, you know, maybe just sort of um, not able, not being able to shine as much as he might at another club because the the, the Saris forward pack um, for sort of most of his 300 games was pretty much like a British and Irish Lions mm-hmm. forward pack where, you know, potentially it's easy to get lost in that a little bit. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, I don't. I'll never understand why he never got a cap, but uh, um, he'll definitely go down as a Saris as a Saris great, and um, you know he knows that we all appreciate him. Well, well Austin Healy, Austin Healy always said, didn't he, that his uh, versatility cost him lots and lots of caps. I mean, the fact that he didn't win as many caps as he thought he should have done is because he's bloody annoying. But J- Jackson is all. I mean, he, he was he was never fundamentally any particular back row player, was he? He was just a back row player and he could do anything, pretty much. A bit like Richard Hill, in a sense, although Richard was, you know, a, 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 an extraordinarily gifted player. Um, um, do, do, do you think maybe just a lack of a set position cost him in the end? Potentially, yeah. I think um, that, that could that could have come into it. I think, um, you know, I, I've, I've always sort of felt that um, Jackson's best position was at seven. Um, I think... Uh, you know, he he, he had he, he's had pace. He, he's not as quick as he once was, but he did have pace. Uh, um, <laughs> <was all. laughs> and uh, you know that 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 set him apart. But um, obviously, he, Ben playing seven now for us means that he sort of shifted around a little bit. But I think at his best, he was he was he was at seven. Um, and yeah, like you say, I think perhaps like just being that versatile and maybe just chopping and changing. Maybe that meant that national selectors were sort of wondering, you know, where does he fit in? Um, what's his best position? Um, that type of thing. Um, so that could have been a curse for him. But um, from a Sarri's point of view, it meant that he was loved and uh, appreciated. And, um, and, and he still is and he, and he will be for a long time. You know, I think um, he'll be referenced. He'll be referenced at Saracens for for years and years and years um, for what he's done and the way he's gone about his work every day. So um Dead right in a star. He'll be remembered in the right by us for sure. The subject- On the subject of unsung heroes, Alex, um Mark McCall, obviously a test player. Um I'm assuming at some stage in the ten years he could have named his price to be a test coach. Um and Mark's always sort of pretty polite with us and, and helpful, but he never really gives us that much. He's a bit of a difficult coach to get a handle on because we don't see what he does behind the scenes. What he does is obviously incredible, incredible because he just makes, you know, average players into good players, good players into great players. The club just has this incredible ability to transform players in the modern era. So just give us a bit of a handle on, on what makes Mark McCall, you know, year after year, an extraordinary coach. Yeah, I think Mark, he he doesn't like the limelight. Um, he's happy to let other people speak, um, as you guys may have uh... <laughs> So, so he's. Uh, I think that comes from like a level of sort of humbleness, I suppose. Um, and uh, he just, I'd say, as a coach, I think um, 
this is uh, attention to detail and um, I think just the constant push for improvement. Um, you know, we had, a, we had, for example, we had a good performance against Northampton. Um, you know, probably thought we'd be coming in on the, on the Monday and it will be sort of pats on the back and um, high fives, which, you know, there was definitely a little bit of that. And, you know, we, we the coaches would tell us that we did have, we did do some good stuff, but, you know, Mark was um, pretty quick to, you know, say well done, but also, you know, like here, this, what about this? What about this? We can better, we need to do this premiership, you know, if we want to be the team that we want to be next season, we need to do this better. So, he doesn't really miss a trick. Um, doesn't get carried away. Um, and uh, I'd say he just has absolutely all bases covered. Um, any base that you can imagine, um, any base that you couldn't imagine, he's imagined it. And uh, it's so, um, yeah, I think that level of detail and that level of that attention to detail um, and relentlessness with it, really, the relentlessness um, is. Uh, something that I've not seen before. So um, that's why it's so good. <laughs> Very quick story about Mark McCall. When the Independent shut down as a paper and I was thrown out of work, I said, all right, I'm not bitter. I've got over it now. But I, I, I sent an email around to all the Premiership directors of rugby just to thank them for their help down the years. And Mark wrote back saying, thank you for your very kind mes message, but I don't, remi I don't remember giving you any help. <laughs> we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, talking about international selection, um, things haven't gone your way on that front or didn't um, with uh, with Eddie Jones in the frame as uh, as head coach. Um, are things looking up with uh, with Steve Borthwick uh, being there? Um, well, I suppose, um, yeah, I think uh, anything's an improvement probably from where I was um after what happened with Eddie, but um, yeah, you know, um, I've I've known Steve for uh, um, well since he was the assistant coach at, um, at England back in 2016 when I was first in the squad, and um, you know I've had a pretty good relationship with him um, ever since then, and um, yeah, I mean obviously I didn't I wasn't I wasn't involved in the Six Nations, um, which was I suppose when. You know, he's first come in and picked his first squad. So, um, as, as it always is, disappointing to miss out on that. But, um, you know, uh, sort of stayed in contact with Steve and um, and, and the other coaches and um, just trying to do the things that they want to see, really. And, um, yeah, you never know. I'm, I'll, I'll never I'll never give up. You know, I'll keep playing, um, trying to play my best and... Um, you know, if that's good enough, then um, that'd be brilliant, um, and I'd love to do it again. So, uh, yeah, one more game, one more game this weekend to try and, uh, you know, obviously it's not about me; it's about the team. But just to do my best and um, and you know, see where see where that leaves me. Italy oh, yeah. touch yeah. with you, haven't they, Alex, at um, various junctures, and you've decided that um, you know to to stick with England. Yeah, so um, I've, I've yeah I've had conversations with Kieran. Uh, Crowley probably going back to well since the rule change I think it was twenty autumn twenty twenty one um, where I became I became available and um, you know, obviously I, you know I've never met Kira but obviously spoken to him on the phone and got to know him that way um, 
huge amount of respect for for Kieran as a as a as a man and as a coach, and um, obviously sort of thanked him for uh, reaching out and I guess extending the opportunity uh, my way. But um, having already played for England and and uh, sort of not feeling like I'm done with it yet. Um, it wasn't really it wasn't really a difficult decision for me to say no if I'm honest um because uh yeah I feel I, I feel pretty English to be honest with you and having already played for England um you know that's not what I, I want to do again and um that was that was that was as simple as it was really do you mind if I ask you about the fallout from that Japan game um and how you went about I don't know whether it affected confidence or anything, but rebuilding your game, not that it needed necessarily rebuilding, but there's certainly a mental side of things, isn't there, um, to where it is now? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, obviously that was like a, that was a disappointing day. I think, um, you know, if I could go back and play one game in my career, it would be that one. And if I could if I could get another shot at it, do it again, that would be the one, obviously. Um so um, yeah, and no, I suppose like bouncing back from that, I think um, you know I've played better rugby since then. Um, I went to France, um, did something different, experienced something new, played in a different league, which is you know the style of play is completely different to what it's like in 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 England. Um, so so that sort of learning curve for a year was was brilliant for me, and then having come back. Um, yeah, I just think it's it's just it's just been like a bit of a journey which I've I've enjoyed being on. Obviously, I think you know, I was pretty I was pretty disappointed for a, you know I'd say over a year probably with how it all ended and maybe that it gets me a little bit, but um, eventually you have to park it and move on, as they say. And um, yeah, I feel like when I got to France, I was able to do that. Um, and um, you know, since then it's been. I think I've been I think I've been playing better now than I was back then. Um so uh so yeah, I thought I suppose um it was disappointing, but um maybe it needed to happen. Can I just stick up for you there, Maestro? I think I was doing player ratings that day. I thought you were having a pretty decent match. England weren't playing well and had that one sloppy ten minute period. I thought it was incredibly harsh and incredibly short sighted. Of Eddie, just to to sort of make that it's almost like you were made the scapegoat for an unimpressive England performance on the day, and just shows how brutal sport is at the at the top end. Yeah, I think um, it is brutal, and um, you know, I think uh, like no one missing missing tackles is you know uh, it's it's always a bit embarrassing in rugby. It's something I find obviously I don't like doing, and uh, that one was that one was the you know the worst one I've ever I've ever had really, and it, yeah, it cost me obviously. Um, but you know, I think um, maybe you know maybe I try I try and look at it in, on a, in a positive way, and I think as I, as I said just a minute ago, um, I do I do believe I'm a better player now than I was then, and um, maybe going having done that and experienced that and been in in the team and out of the team for 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 a long time now. Those are the things that maybe you need to, you need to go through to help you um, grow and progress and and get better and want to keep getting better and and um, yeah yeah I'll I'll second I'll second what Brent said 
if Eddie dropped everybody who missed a tackle for England, he wouldn't have had any players to pick from. <laughs> you, you, you and I would have been out there, Nick. <laughs> you, you wouldn't have been. Well, well, I, well, I, I might have been on the bench or just the bench. <laughs> but no, I mean you're absolutely right. I mean Billy Twelve Trees paid paid pretty heavily for. He always seemed to miss tackles on Matt Tamua. I mean, I and, and they, they were always they were always five meters from the line. You know, I mean, he, he, you know, two different games, two different Wallaby tries, same people involved. You know, um, Gary, Gary Ringrose missed one on Saturday, a big one. Mm-hmm. Big one got sat down very publicly. Yeah, and they won't be. They never played for Ireland again. (laughs) 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 Just one final question from me, Alex. You were talking about well, how you're a better player now than you were back then. Are you also enjoying rugby more now than you were back then? Yeah, I mean, I've 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 not enjoyed rugby this much probably ever. To be honest with you, Um, I think. Well, maybe that's unfair. You know, when you when you, you come into professional sport, professional rugby as a youngster, you're like full of enthusiasm and you just want the next target, the next target, and you're just chasing it. And you know, you're doing what you love, and it's your job, and it's it's brilliant. Um, you know, and then I suppose, um, yeah, potentially after the having got in the England squad when I was a young, like a really young player, um, again, brilliant, enjoying it, and then. You know, you go out, you, you come out of it and certain things uh, get you down a little bit or maybe you're not playing as well and um, that affects your mood a little bit. Um, so, yeah, th- th- those are probably like the ups and downs of it. But I think, as I said, going to France for a year, even though it was a tough year to begin with and we lost a lot of games, that experience really, I, I really believe... Um, sort of set me up to come back to England and rejoin Saris and, you know, really start properly getting stuck into my rugby again and enjoying it and enjoying what I'm doing, enjoying my training, just enjoying being with my teammates, um, enjoying being out there on the weekend playing. I don't think I never enjoyed it, but I think it's just like being grateful for it and um, and cherishing it a little bit. And, you know, it's like we said before, like, not going to play with Duncan again and Jackson again after this weekend, you know. I sat next to Jackson for eight years in the changing room, Um, you know, played hundreds of games with Duncan. you got to enjoy it. That's that's what it's all about. And, and yeah, I think I I definitely am enjoying it and we we, we all are. So, um, hopefully we have one more enjoyable day on Saturday uh, and we'll be happy. Rugby memories are pretty special, Alex. Could, could, could I just, um, I don't want to be too much of a, a downer about things, but just on a, you, you would have cherished your time at Wasps as well. And you, yeah. you, you played some good games and with, with some with some big players and, and a little bit like Saracens, Wasps always had a reputation of having this really close-knit, Sort of blue collar f- feel about them. You you all mucked in together, and it was it was almost more than the sum of its parts at times because of the the closeness of the bond. Can you give us some idea of your reaction to the state of the the wasp story at the moment? Because it's 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 pretty depressing. That goes without saying. But but from somebody who's been there and participated in it, albeit back in the day, can you give us some idea of how you've reacted? 
Yeah, I think without a doubt, I think you know actually I should have mentioned in the with, with the previous question about enjoying it. You know, um, we're lucky to be doing what we're doing. Um, we're lucky to be even playing on the weekend um, in, a, in in a final. Um, given what's happened with Wasps and Worcester and you know reading bad or sort of ominous news about London Irish as well. Um, you know, we're lucky to be doing what we're doing. So we we have a we need to enjoy it. We have to enjoy it because um, we're being afforded opportunities that um, other professionals have, been, have had taken away from them, uh, which is dreadful. Obviously, the Wasps one, um, having played there myself for two seasons, um, my family having very strong um, connections with the club. Um, you know, my dad was captain there. Um, played 260 games and a lot of his best friends now from those days um, when playing in the 80s and you know that sort of that sort of family um, dynamic uh, that you pick up over the years to have that to, for that to disappear is you know it's, it is awful and um, obviously still had a lot of a lot of really good friends at Wasp when, when it all happened and um, you know also like you know what, what happened with, with what happened at Saracens when, when we were relegated and 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 you know, sent down, and you know, um, you know, other there were other teams and people trying to bury us, um, and, and basically, uh, you know, hopefully, hoping that we never come back. Basically, so we kind of we don't know what it's like to for it to actually happen, but it wasn't that far. It wasn't that far away. Um, hmm. It sort of, it took it took the loyalty of staff and players really to I think, and obviously. Um, you know that our our backers um, for it to sort of keep going. Um, so to see it happening at other clubs it is it is dreadful, and I just um, I just hope it can get better. I hope I hope these clubs come back. I hope Wasps and Worcester find their way back to to where they should be. I hope London Irish, whatever's going on there, I hope that gets resolved because um, you know. We need, we need, we need them to, and the sport is better with these clubs in it. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed. You, you, you played in France, as you said, Alex, and, and I mean they have four professional leagues there at the moment, and that club game is is booming, absolutely booming. And uh, we, we, we all, we all know the reasons. Some of them are, are demographic reasons, some of them are structural reasons, and what have you. Why, why the French game is as it is. But do you do you hope, and it may be a long term thing. Do you hope that one day English club rugby will be, if not identical to France, at least in a in a state where um, where there's a growing number of clubs and a growing amount of ambition and and the pathways from promotion and relegation and all that kind of thing. I think it's a political hot potato at the moment. But would the dream be in? X years time that you can we can sort of replicate the French system to a degree. I mean, yeah, I think that has to be the dream. I think it's uh, like you say a long way off at the moment. Um, you know, you saw, for example, the the, the celebrations going on in La Rochelle um, over the weekend it was unbelievable. And um, but you know, but that that comes that comes from generations of support. You know. Um, you know, if you, I think if you if you drew a line that probably across from Bordeaux, 
um, over to Leon on the map. Everything down from there is just rugby crazy, rugby mad, right? And those, those towns, those towns get behind their teams, and they have done for generations. And their dads support the team, and their granddads, and their great granddads, and their great grandmoms. It's just like part of the part of the way of life, which um, you know isn't the same in England, um, probably because it's competing with some other incredibly popular sports, you know, like football, whatever, whatever it might be. So um, I think it ultimately is a popularity thing. Um, and we need to find, uh, find ways of, get, of making rugby popular um, and attractive to supporters. And then that's, I think that's where, you know, the scenes like you get in the port in La Rochelle, that's where that comes from. Um, so in an ideal world, I'd love to see it. I think I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if any of us will still be here by the time uh, English rugby. The great, but, uh, thing, the great thing is, though, that they were a second division team until what? Um, was it five years ago? Yeah, yeah. So you know they they've you know done it. They've come up the leagues and obviously um, got Ronan Gogar over there heading it up and done a brilliant job and getting big players to buy into it and. Um, the 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 improvement of the team has been rapid and amazing really so um and obviously the town's got behind it which is all the city's got behind it which is um it's a pretty deadly deadly combination alex just before you go could i um trouble you for 5 minutes to do our quick fire question section of course 15 quick fire questions just about you if you're happy to plunge into it yeah no problem Awesome. Nickname? Uh, Loz. Best rugby memory? Uh, 2017 uh, European Cup final when we won, beat Claremont. Most embarrassing rugby memory? Um, anytime I miss a tackle. Pre <laughs> game tune? Oh, um, uh, I don't know, Pink Floyd. We'll go Pink Floyd. Post-game meal? Um, pizza. Best player you've played against? Oh, Nonu. Best player you've played with? George Smith. Favourite player right now? Uh, Uj Satani. Nice. Rugby Idol? Um... It's got to be Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite stadium? Um, Twickenham. Favorite gym exercise? Oh, none of them. Uh, uh, <laughs> what would it be? Shoulder press. Yeah, it's nice. That's a new one. Um, occupation if rugby didn't exist. Is this what I'd actually have to do or dream? Dream on golfer. Okay. And what would you have what do you have the skill set for? Uh, <laughs> Order. Oh hard. Order. Oh. We don't know. We just don't know. <laughs> it, it's it's ongoing. I'm I've, I've just been writing my C V last this last month, so um can I get back to you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that that's what that's what your prospective employers will say to you. <laughs> <laughs> that was- 
Definitely not. Superstitions. Um, not really that superstitious, but always have beans on toast morning of the game. What? Morning of the game or evening of the game, did you say? Morning before the game, breakfast has always been on, has, has been since I was about six years old. So, yeah. Rugby law you would change. Oh, that's a good one. Um, without trying to sort of get too nausy and uh, you know bore everyone, I think with the amount of penalties there are at the ruck these days, um, I'd say that if there's a uh, one thing that I think might be fun is that if there's like a jackal turnover and someone gets over the ball and wins a turnover that way, it has to be a tap and go penalty from there. Okay. Um, yeah, because. I think the game, the games can change so much on these moments where there's a jackal turnover, like in midfield, and then all of a sudden, kick into the corner, and someone's got a driving line out, and it could be a try. Whereas, and it's happening so often that maybe a fun one would be whoever, if Jack Willis has got over the ball and won a turnover, he's got to tap and go. Something like that. Does that work both ways? So, if someone gets pinged for jackling off their feet or something, then that has to be a tap and go as well. Uh yeah yeah I think maybe yeah it would be, be fun because there's so yeah there's so many of them in in every game these days that, that um and it, and at least a massive territorial sort of wings mm. uh, yeah maybe a fun way of sort of speeding the game up as well might be um might be doing that but uh, can't see it happening <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's an unlikely one um but that's very very interesting lastly uh best thing about working in rugby um just uh getting to spend time with your mates every day and do something together that you love that you love doing and um i think it's a sport where you you, you do it for you don't do it for yourself you do it for your teammates and the guy next to you and that's what's fun about it i think Awesome. You just get you just get a gold award for Pink Floyd, Alex. Oh, you're the first person who's named a musical act that any of us apart from Oliver have ever heard of. Everyone else says Snoop Doggy Dog or bloody Dizzy yeah. Rascal or whatever his name is, and you've actually come up with well, I, I'm I'm in all I'm in all only because I like pretty crazy guitar solos, which are pretty fun to listen to. <laughs> I bet your dad had it all, all the time as well, and Freddy, you grew up with it. <laughs> you have made yourself sound like an old fogey, but take no notice. You're on the side of the angel. Answer. <laughs> Skepta instead of someone like <laughs> Yeah, you, you, I doubt Chris has heard a Skepta. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was he talking in ancient Hittite or something? <laughs> Alex, that's awesome. Um, I'll, I'll let you go now. All the best for Saturday. I'm going to ask these guys for predictions. I won't ask you for one, so I'll wait till you've gone for that. But all right. go on Saturday, enjoy. Um, and yeah, we're all really looking forward to it. Cool. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, Thanks, Alex. Go well, Maestro. Cheers, Alex. Cheers. Go Bye. Well. Bye. Right, let's jump straight into that before we do a little bit of a re retrospective look on Europe. Um, predictions. Let's go... Let's get a score. Let's get a team and a winning margin, please, from everyone. I think this has got extra time written all over it. Mm. 
I think it's I mean, honestly, I think it's incredibly it's within it it's it could easily be within a score. You know, I mean within within a penalty. Yeah. Easily. I, I, I think that the um it's a game of really exciting contrasts. I think if Saracens can get some parity uh around set piece, not not be not be really shoved against a wall. I mean, they don't get shoved around, but if if they can if they can edge a set piece, I think they win because I think their bats are better. Yeah. Um, but 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 with, with Ford on the field and and, and the whole Ford Farrell thing is is a like a subplot of itself, isn't it? But with, with Ford on the field, if Sa- if Sailor if Sailor in the game, you know, within within touching distance or marginally in front in front after an hour, I think he's more than capable of managing them home. So it, it'll be absolutely fascinating. I, I, I wouldn't stick a, not that I have many pennies now, because I don't know whether I mentioned the fact that the independent was closed down and I got lobbed out of work. But I, I wouldn't put a penny of the money I don't have on this result. Without the violins. <laughs> I mean, we've got enough for a string quartet here. <laughs> yeah, you'd be playing them all. <laughs> So, Chris, that was a lot of words. Um, with no... I don't know. Okay, cool. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Apologies to listeners that had to be subjected to that for no real answer. Oh, well... <laughs> Brendan, let's come to you. Well, I would endorse all that Chris said, but I, I, I'm going to put my head above the parapet and and uh, sail by three points. I've got absolutely no logic or reason for that. It, uh, but I just a slight filling of me waters. Uh it's it's set up for a Charlie Hodgson headline and story, so he'll either drop a goal in the ninety eighth minute or something. Um, uh, I'm a bit worried about the two forwards they lost injured forwards. It takes the edge off their pack a little bit, yeah. but uh, why not? Uh, they're, they're both terrific sides. Uh, sail by three. Did you say Charlie Hodgson? Is he playing? Did I say Charlie Hodgson? Yeah, you did. <laughs> I, I did say Charlie Hodgson. <laughs> yeah. George Ford, very similar players. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think Pete Anglesey will roar in for a try as well. <laughs> yeah, and Quates is coming back. I hear. Who are the injured players, Bren? Hmm? Who are the injured forwards? Uh, well, Ben Curry and which Dupree was it got injured? Was it Dan? Yeah, it was Dan. Yeah. So I mean, you know, they still playing. Re- they rely so much, don't they, on, on the on the power of that pack to to release the backs, but. Um, no, it'll be hellish. It'll be a good match. I'd I'd say um I'd say Saracens and I'd say um you know I'm looking at sort of 25-18, something like that, probably one score in it, but I think Saracens will will win it. And the reasons are because I thought, you know, I mean, what Sale have done this season is is, is great. They're they've improved massively. Um but I just think, and Alex Anderson talked about it after the game against Leicester, um, they didn't, they had a number of chances in the first half and they didn't, they didn't take them. Those chances that they got in the second half, they finished extremely well and they're a dangerous side, there's no question. But I, I think that the Saracens' defence against Northampton was the old wolf pack uh, back to its best. And I'm not sure how many chances that Sale will get. And they, you know, whatever they do get, they're going to have to take. Um, so that, that's one thing. The other thing that bothers me a bit about Sale is 
that they've got one or two guys who are penalty magnets and in discipline in big games cup finals can can be terminal so I was about their cat, their retiring captain. 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 very important <laughs> there are there are a few there are a few yeah. um the, the penalty count will be key i think yeah if, if, if saracens who who tend who tend to get away with a little bit on the, um you know around a breakdown and and but they're they're good they're good and they're they're they're, they're pretty clean but if they do get on the wrong side of the referee and there's they end up in their own 22 defending line outs um you know sailor pretty strong there i mean they've got a lot of power and a lot of muscle yeah. no sorry my 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 point was that sale have got a number of oh, they have. no I, I, I was i was just trying to broaden out the discussion i see so you do fashion to say whoever gets on the wrong side of the referee will could it could be a bit of a long afternoon actually yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but sale are very threatening in the red zone you know, from, from set piece, yeah, um, because they they're they're strong, man. I'm crikey, they, yeah. they really are a bullying South African type side. They yeah. are, yeah, and they've got two. They seem to have um, now two. You know, the their um, their bench front row is pretty effective. Oosthuizen is playing as well as I think I've seen him play. You know, since he first came into the South African side, he's looking pretty good. And well, it's a big game for Mako. Big game for Macabuna Polar because oh, oh, we said a hundred times. If I, I mean ninety percent of the time, Mako scrummaging's you know is, is not an issue. But if he was as good a scrummager as he is at everything else in the game, as he is at everything else in, in you know in his game, he'd have been the greatest loose head ever, ever to play. But yeah. it isn't. So he isn't. He, he has been exposed on big occasions by aggressive, tight head attacking scrummaging. Yeah. He has, and they've got a couple. Yeah. Sale, you know, Shona is no mug, and and neither is who stays, as you say. And so, if you if you were looking at unsung heroes, I mean, Rod has come on this season. There's no question about that. And Macin yes, he has, yes, very McIntyre, Simon McIntyre is definitely one of the unsung heroes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Chris, uh, can I ask you one last time if you want to get off the fence? Um, I, I, I think, I think, I think. Saracens will win by three. Okay. Yeah, Nick, Nick, your monologue has just persuaded me in Saracens' direction as well. And you are on a bit of a roll, if I remember rightly. You predict you were the only one to predict La Rochelle. Yeah. And so. Toulon. <laughs> no, we all predicted Toulon. We all did Toulon, yeah. <laughs> Chris, did you predict Toulon? I really I, I wasn't I wasn't there. I, I had to um I had oh, to right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I made an early escape because my my. I, in fact, I just invented invented a reason to get get out of the so way. My 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 predictions, including <laughs> including for Wales to give Ireland a complete toweling in the first round of the Six Nations Championship. Mm. My predictions have not been brilliant, although I did predict the Georgian victory over Wales last autumn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not letting anyone forget that. Um, no. So yeah, I'll go with Sarri's by a score as well. Um, Speaking of that La Rochelle prediction, Nick, um, Miles Harrison said it was the greatest final ever of the Heineken Cup. One, do you agree with that? And two, if not, it was still pretty damn good, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, to do a sort of ready reckoner on every... There have been some fantastic Heineken Cup finals, some fantastic ones. So I, I'm, I'm, I, And that was certainly one of the best that I've seen. 
whether it was the absolute best. I mean, you know, um, that Alex mentioned it uh, earlier on, that Saracens win over Claremont in Edinburgh back in 2017, I think, that was a hell of a performance um, because Claremont were a very, very good side at the time. So, uh, and, and you know, desperate to to get their hands on on the trophy as well. So, yeah, there have been some, but there have been some fantastic games. Uh, what some of the wasps, you know, the wasps. Oh, yeah. what, 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 wasp to lose. Leicester Stade Francais, Breed Leicester in 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 another way actually was was Leinster Northampton their first yeah. ever title. Oh, the Leinster Northampton game was. I mean, that was must have been nearly as big a comeback yeah. as as the one we saw on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So there have been some there have been some great ones, but this was a great performance. Um, and uh, Brent, I read your piece about uh, the uh, <laughs> Leinster skullduggery at the at the Ruck, and I couldn't couldn't agree more. You know, I mean, they got away with it against Toulouse in a in a big way, and totally swamped Toulouse as a consequence of it. They've got some great players; those are great back row forwards. You know, Doris and uh, and Van der Fleer, but. And Henshaw is like a bloody, you know, a, a third yeah. back row forward, as is she uh, and she and a fourth. So they've got some great players, but your your comparison with what the All Blacks used to do and what they get away with, and how referees sort of doff the cap to them too much and weren't looking at what was in front of them. Some of the stuff that was going on. I mean, they picked out one clip of <laughs> of, of Ringrose just sort of. Hurdling across a, the the the, the <laughs> La Rochelle side of a ruck and is trying it, to mess it up. It's um, interesting, isn't it? It's interesting that there's quite a bit of traffic now uh, on on some of the rugby websites about what happened at half time and why. We know there was uh, a bit of pushing and shoving and arguing uh, between the two teams uh, in the tunnel, and it does seem that Leinster Leinster put um, it is claimed. Um, I hope this is not actionable. It is claimed um, on um, more than one rugby website that Leinster put someone in front of the referee's door because they damn well knew that Roger was going to be in talking to Piper about the breakdown. And the person they put in front of the door must remain nameless, but it was Sean O'Brien. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so... So, so uh, I mean, I'm not privy to everything that goes on in tunnels during the halftime of big matches. But if somebody doesn't want the opposition to get anywhere near the referee, there can only be two reasons. Yeah. One is, well, one is that they don't want him to slip him a fiver. And the other one is that they don't want him talking to stuff that is obviously going really well for them, um, you know, in the first half. Well, some somehow, Chris, the message did get across. It certainly uh, did. You know, Piper began to sort of look at what was in front of his eyes, and but the, some of the performances. I mean, how on earth Australia have not managed to cotton on to the fact that they got a potential World Cup winning lock? <laughs> In Skelton, I mean, Skelton's performance again for the second year in succession was just out of this world. Yeah. I mean, he's a fantastic rugby player. They had two or three, didn't they? I mean, I mean, I thought Aldrich was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, he was off the Richter scale. Aldrich, he's a, he's he was amazing. A very fine player, that bloke. Um, and and you know, the, those those two guys as they grew into the game, 
Mm. And in the big moments, they made they made huge contributions. And and Antonio as well. You know, there was oh, a... Frank, he's improved. He's he's off the scale a better player than. I mean, he was a bloke who could scrummage once he reached the scrum, wasn't he? I mean, he was. I mean, crikey, there was nothing else to his game really. And now he's you know he's playing big chunks of matches as well. Yeah, but can I just put a word of praising for him and Lavani Bota Boita Bota? Um, they arrived nine years ago at La Rochelle, prodied uh, on peanuts. They, you know, one had just given up a job as a prison officer. The other one was a Shakespearean actor wandering around New Zealand with his brother. Um, they, they weren't big buck signing. They weren't Will Skelton. They were lads who, you know, maybe like the equivalent of be, you know, somebody joining Exeter just before they came up. They have improved they've, they've, they've stayed loyal to the club they've been instrumental to building that culture and that relationship with the civic you know with, with the population uh, and they've become immense players in the process so you know again you know they're not short of a bobble to Laura Shell, but as ever it's not all about the money it never is all about about the money they have given their lives to that club and helped establish a culture whereby people like Skelton can come in and immediately pick up on it as he did at Saracens, in fairness. Saracens made him a much better player. La Rochelle made him the world's best lock. Yeah. But Ronan O'Gara knows all about knows all about this the the, the building the building the kind of the culture to use the, the trendy word. You know, that, that Munster side, the, the top end Munster sides that he played in. I mean, they were we were speaking to Alex Dzowski about 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 the Saracens culture and the and the close knit the bond that they have, which takes you through in the big games and in the crunch moments in the championship minutes. That's what takes you through. It's not how much people are being paid, really. It's how much they're prepared to give for the cause. And Munster, who were quite a limited side in some ways, at their best, but crikey, they were hard to beat because they were as they were as thick as thieves. Those guys and O'Gara was a big part. Of it. Yeah, but coming, you know, coming back, absolutely the, the case, but coming back to La Rochelle, I mean, what it says to me, and and Bren, you've just talked about, you know, how those blokes have been intrinsic to, uh, to this club becoming double ch- champions of Europe. And, it, you know, this crazy situation that we've got uh, in, in English club rugby, whereby we've got total stasis, because there's no promotion relegation, there's no opportunity for a La Rochelle or an Exeter. It's got to change. It's killing the game here. And you can see the injection of, you know, of just huge pride, huge commitment to a cause that you see with a club like La Rochelle. And we've got to give clubs in this country that same chance to aspire that same chance Mm. to realize their ambitions and this you know this premiership cartel that's been allowed to to exist is a disgrace i i don't disagree with a lot of that um i i I, you know i mean that's the comparison with what's happening in france i I know you can't grow tradition overnight and uh, you know they have all sorts of advantages and things that are particular to france that allows french club rugby to be what it is at the moment yeah. But the but the point and they have a massive. It's the biggest rugby constituency in the world. Alex Lazowski was absolutely right. You draw that line from Bordeaux. In fact, you can now draw it from La Rochelle, yeah. and it won't be too too much longer before you can you can draw it from Brittany because Van got to the semi final 
of the championship. I mean, they were a few points away from playing for promotion. Mm. And th- suddenly you've got a Brittany side. But, you know, you've got, let, let's, you know, you're right that, that rugby in, in this, you know, from the mid south is, 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 is bigger in, um, in, in France just because of the size of the country, so on. But the southwest of this country is a rugby, is a rugby heartland too. And, and the, the idea that football doesn't exist, you know, in the southern part of France is bullshit. There's plenty of football played there too. There are, it, it, but but it's it's not necessarily the biggest thing in town. I mean, obviously it is in Marseille and it is in Monaco. Yeah. But Montpellier, Montpellier, you've got an argument. Toulouse, you've got an argument. So it's it's good rugby town. Just just to go back on who played well for La Rochelle, the worrying thing from everyone else's point of view, I thought that the outside half Astoy was very, very good as that game unfolded. And he's one of those annoying blokes who looks as though he's completely unruffled at the end of a final. But he looks as though he's just run on the field. And I thought he kicked beautifully. I thought the timing of his pass was excellent. I thought his options were good. And, you know, France, we've known, have struggled at 10 to really have a a game-shaping, game-managing 10 who's entirely dependable. And I'm not saying he's a finished article by a million miles. But he's 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 going to be a good player that way. Yeah, and they've got another another Aussie who's being overlooked by our friend Eddie <laughs> to wear a care Barlow. You know, oh. I mean, what a scrum up. He's yeah, yeah. Scrum up. yeah, yeah, very very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what a final! What a final! Um, we hope if you were in La Rochelle that you've enjoyed the celebrations if you're still going. And we are going to have to drink a lot near water. Very, very poor idea to drink a lot on the dockside. Anything <laughs> could happen. You're speaking from experience, Chris. Oh, oh indeed. <laughs> um, and a, a word for Toulon, who were very, very impressive in putting away Glasgow. Unfortunately, because of time, we aren't going to have too much time. Well, any time actually to discuss that, sadly. Because we Charles Oliver, how good was he? There we yeah. go. There we go. Cheslin Colby, how good was he? Cheslin oh. Colby, a fullback who's imperious in the air. He's five foot seven. Joe Carpenter, about five foot nine. He didn't miss a ball in the air in the yeah. semi final the other week. I don't buy this nonsense about you have to be six foot four to play fullback. Well, Brice Doulin at the weekend as well. He's about yeah. four foot well. He's had a really good game, didn't he? Yeah, I thought he'd gone, but he had a really good game. Yeah. Yeah. The small fullback is coming back into fashion. Um, but yeah, guys, we will wrap up there. Um, any of you going to Twickenham on Saturday or will you be watching from home? I can't afford to go. No. <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> what happened oh, at the Independent? Oh, Remind me. <laughs> old Pauper Hewitt cries. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I'll get for the guy. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm popping out with me big issues in a minute. <laughs> dear me well enjoy enjoy the final from your sofa chris and guys i'll see you all next week thanks for listening to this week's edition of the rugby paper podcast and don't forget to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use and recommend the show to your friends the rugby paper is available to buy every sunday and to make sure you don't miss it subscribe through our print digital and online options at therugbypaper.co.uk forward slash subscriptions That's therugbypaper.co.uk forward slash subscriptions to get all our content for as little as 14p per day.